1: Right, so before you take your seats, uh, I just want to, again, just give you a huge welcome uh, to Icon Church, welcoming people online. But if you're here at Icon for the first time, we just want to give you a massive welcome. Come on, let's welcome everybody here. Grab your seats. High five somebody again. We're going to get into God's Word. Yeah, I'm Gavin. I'm one of the pastors. If you don't, didn't know, Ben, who was just up here on the platform, is actually one of my sons. He's my, uh, my second son, and uh, he, I'm actually talking about uh, father and son, being like father, like son this morning, that's my title, so I suppose it was a little bit appropriate to have Ben up here, which is nice, because uh, that saying, like father, like son, it's quite, a, it's quite old now, it's been around for a few hundred years, and it speaks about the fact that how parents imprint are upon their children, what they say, say what they do, their mannerisms, it relates to mums. And dads and sons and daughters, so it's not got a male exclusivity, it's just it's this saying like father like son. And I don't know if you thought that, but Ben looks a little bit by, like me, do you reckon? All my kids wear glasses, so uh, if you, well, we have four children by the way, Ben's our second, but we have uh, two other sons and a daughter as well, so uh, I know... Uh, That our parents, we reflect uh, our personalities or what we are like and what we look like. And our personalities are reflected in our kids. And I know when I think about my kids, they're all grown up now. I can see traits in them uh, from both myself and and my wife, Jane. Uh, And I always remember Paul sharing, our lead pastor sharing in church about the fact that I look, if you were to meet my dad, we look very similar me and my father, some of you know my dad, but he would, Paul would say he could see me walking towards him from a distance. And he, he always thought, oh, that's Alan, that's Gavin's dad walking towards me because we, we walk very much the, the same way kind of thing. And, and, you know, we pick those things up from our parents, don't we? Uh, and it certainly reminds me from, of my kids when I think about my kids without picking on them too much this morning. Uh, obviously, there's a, a lot of lookalikes within our family, but when I think about Ben, Ben, uh, is a, he loves to go to the cinema, loves to go and watch films at the cinema, and uh, one of the things that we found out recently, certainly Jane and myself, we like to always sit in the same seat when we go to the cinema, don't know if you all have those habits when you go places, like the favourite seat sort of thing, but we went to see a film recently that Ben had booked tickets to see, we didn't know that, but lo and behold he was sat right in the seats where we were meant to be sitting, so... Um, and he still does that now, apparently, he was telling us, but uh, he sits in the same seat. My, my daughter, Amy, is, is very organised. She's sort of list-driven and quite OCD on things, but uh, she that, picks that up from her mum. Not from me, but uh, she's very organised. Our eldest son, Dan, who's campus pastor in Derby, he's... He loves his maths. He's a a maths teacher, secondary maths teacher, which my wife is as well. So obviously something he's picked up. All my kids love maths, by the way. They're all sad, aren't they? But uh, they all love maths. They they get that from their mum, not from me. I just scraped a C in maths. Remember C's when you got letters in the exams. um, And then, of course, there's my youngest son, Jacob, who's also been on the platform this morning playing the electric guitar. What can I say about Jacob? Well, Those that were in the 9.15 know what's coming, you say, but uh, all I can say, I wasn't very good at football either when I was, um, there's an in-joke there. If you want to find out about that, come and ask me later. But, uh, <laughs> but I've, uh, I've got a, a great video that I want to show to you right now. It's only a couple of minutes long and I think it highlights this father-son relationship really well. You might have seen this, this is, I picked up this from YouTube, but let's, uh, let's watch the video for a moment.
0: They need to work on that, right? Yeah. Yes. okay. No, did you understand it, though? No. No? Okay. Yeah. All right. Huh? Oh, not, not, not this one. This is the grand finale of this. Okay, yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some you stuff this time. What exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Don't bring that in You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think like that yeah. Yeah. Like go somewhere else with that, but don't break here, you know what I'm saying? It's got to be clean. Yeah. A little bit that's what I said. He was like, uh ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? Don't do it here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah really? I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we think a lot of like, huh? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> right.
1: You love that. So good. <laughs> That little boy is only 18 months old in that, that video. And I just love the interaction between father and son. It's, it's not just about the words, but it's, it's, the, the, it's how they, they physically interact. You know, there's that being present in the room and talking to your kids like that. And he's picking up so much. And I love that thought. And that's how it's great when parents and kids can have that kind of relationship. But I, I want us to think this morning, particularly with regards to Jesus and the father, So when we look at Jesus, we see what the Father is like. We see what God is like. And I want us to really think about that and focus upon that this morning. We're going to turn in a moment to John chapter 14. And what I love about John's gospel, uh, one of the four gospels, is that John emphasises about, he reveals what God the Father is like. And he does that through Jesus. You know, Jesus shows us in words and and action exactly what God is like. You see, there's a world, the world can struggle with God. We can have a, a distorted view of God. Yet, I want to say this this morning, that God is far greater than we could ever imagine. That God is far greater, but he's not a distant God. He's a God that's here and he's with us and he comes to us in Jesus. He comes and he comes amongst us and he loves us. If you ask Jesus if he was a lot like his father, he would say, absolutely. Jesus not only is our way to the father, he is also our way to know what God the father is like. There's a verse in Colossians chapter 1 that says Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. We can't see God, but Jesus revealed exactly what God was like to us. So the more we know about Jesus, what he said and what he did, the more we know about God the Father. See, you might not have a a striking obvious resemblance to how your parents look or act or talk, But Jesus shows us exactly what God the Father is like. Get to know the Son and you get to know the Father. Let's turn to that chapter, John chapter 14. Let's read some verses together. John 14 from from verse six. It says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip's not convinced by this. Philip has got to ask again. So he says this, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Interpretation, like Father, like Son like Father, like Son. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see in him love, mercy, grace, forgiveness and compassion. Yet when we think about God or a world's view again, we can be thinking of someone who's just watching over us, watching our every move, looking to strike us down, to be judgmental on us or at least to condemn us. But God's not like that. And Jesus is a reflection of God the Father. As we look at the life of Jesus, everything we see in him is true of the Father of God. The things that give us so much hope, these are true of Jesus and the Father as well. They tell us what the Father is, is like. And this morning, I wanted to focus in on the simple but powerful truth that God is love, that God is love. And in Jesus the Son, that love is so incredibly revealed to us. Jesus wants to show us the love of God in such a powerful and wonderful way. You know, the imprint of, of God's love is, is all over the Bible from beginning to end, and nowhere is it more obvious in one of the most famous of Bible verses that we'll turn to in a moment, but it's John 3 16. You may have heard of that verse before, and we'll read it in a moment. We'll go there, but let's just set the scene before we, we get there. We'll go to John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and it's where Jesus meets with a, a religious leader called Nicodemus, uh, and it's in the first two verses. Of John chapter 3, and it says this Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus was part of this Jewish ruling Jewish counselor. They were known as the Sanhedrin. They pretty much controlled the religious life in Israel at that time. So it's probably no wonder that Nicodemus, interestingly, visits Jesus at night because Jesus wasn't exactly popular with the religious leaders. And so Nicodemus meets him alone. He meets him at night. And the first thing that we notice is that he calls Jesus rabbi or teacher. So there's this level of respect from Nicodemus towards Jesus. And then he he gives us this incredible admission and he probably not many religious certainly would have made that admission at that time, would have done that. But he says this, we know that you are from God and your miracles are evidence of this. They're showing us what, what God is like. And Jesus is saying, no, you've, you've got it all wrong. You've not quite got it right, the right interpretation. Yes, the miracles are evidence that, I, that show that I am from God. But my miracles are not the greatest evidence of God. The greatest evidence of God as you look at me is love. It's love. It's not the miracles. It's the fact that I love you and God the Father loves you. And that's when we get these amazing verses later on in John 3 and verses 16 and 17. Let me read those to you. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. These are powerful, incredible verses in the Bible. Martin Luther, one of the great church reformers, called these two verses the gospel or the good news in miniature in miniature. Everything we need to know about God's love and the good news of the gospel of Jesus are contained in these two verses. And this morning I want to pull out three ideas of God from these verses that I hope and believe will either cement your view of God or maybe for some today in this room today, it will change your view of God for the better. For the better, it will change your view of God. That he is a God of grace. That he is a God of mercy and love. That Jesus the Son shows us exactly what the Father is like. Like Father, like Son. Are you ready? Number one, God loves the world. God loves the world. For God so loved the world. What it doesn't say, what it doesn't say is, for God so loved the good. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, for God so loved the good. It's sometimes what we hear, but it doesn't say that. The, world, the word world here means people, all people, all of humankind, past, present, and future. You know, the shared view is, I'm sure for, for most of us, is that there are some people in the world who are really good people. We would say that. But also, there are some people in the world that are really bad people. Now, when we tend to think about that, good people, we see or define as people who are like me. Not me personally, but, uh, but you, obviously. You might say, I'm, I'm good. And all the bad people are those people over there. you know. But if we were honest with ourselves, don't we all have the capacity within us to do terrible things, to do bad things? Can we all agree that, We're all really good people and we're all really bad people sometimes. None of us deserve grace and mercy and love on our own. See, for God so loved the world, doesn't just apply to us. In fact, what we learn about this verse is that God's love is is not based on our spiritual condition. It's not based on our behaviour or or on our attitude. His love is absolute. His love is unconditional. His love is unrestricted. We call this grace. We call it grace. It's undeserved love. It means that Jesus shows us what the Father is like, that his love and grace was for all, even the most undeserving in our eyes. But God loves them. God gave, sent his son for them. Jesus died for them. See, the religious leaders thought that God's love was for those who obeyed all the rules and regulations. Jesus came and turned that upside down. See, one day Jesus told a story about a religious leader and a tax collector. For some reason, tax collectors always get, you know, picked out or picked on for some reason. I don't know why. They're they're listed amongst the worst sinners are tax collectors. I don't know why that is, but I used to collect tax, by the way, just sort of telling you that. Anyway, (laughs) I think I still do a small way, but Anyway. (laughs) But in this story, he quotes what the the religious leader is praying. And it's it's incredible when you think about it. It's in Luke 18, verses 11 and 12. And this is what the Pharisee says. The Pharisee Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, those people over there. Not like other people, robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. The Pharisee is actually praying, I thank you that I'm better than that guy. Thank you that I'm not like him. I'm I'm better than him. That's his prayer. I'm better than that guy. Now, it might be just me, but does anyone see a problem with that prayer? Does anybody see a problem with that prayer? Put your hands up if you're glad you're not like the Pharisee. I know a few people putting their hands up. See, we're doing the exact same thing there, aren't we? We're, We're comparing ourselves with the Pharisee and... Thanking God that we're not like him. (laughs) I caught you out, but it's true, isn't? You can see that. Why is it this? Why do we fall into this comparison thing, that we're better than the next person? Why do we do that? I'm glad I'm not like him, or I'm glad I'm not like her. I'm better than that Pharisee. Why? Why do we do that? Because I think in the back of our minds, in our subconscious, we believe that lie that God loves only the good, and only the good. But that's not what Jesus is showing us. He's showing us that God loves the world. There's no one that God doesn't love. No limit to his love. One condition, just the one condition that we're human, that you're a human being. And I guess you're all human here this morning. He doesn't say that he loves those who go to church. He doesn't say that he loves those the most who go to Icon Church. He does, but he just doesn't say it. He doesn't say he loves those from a certain country or those from a certain race or ethnicity or gender or religious background. He doesn't say that. It says God loves the world. And that includes you, every one of you. It also includes a lot of people we might not think it should include. There's not an individual on this planet right now that God doesn't love. Is that not mind-blowing? That God loves the world in that way. My second thought to note is this, that God loves unconditionally. God loves unconditionally. John 3, 16 again, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, the message of God's unconditional love fills the pages of, of the Bible. Jesus shows us the kind of love time and time again, this kind of love. He reflects the kind of love the Father has for each and every one of us. Paul writing in Romans chapter 5, writing about what love looks like, he wrote this in Romans 5, verses 6 to 9, he said this, he said, when we were utterly helpless, Christ, Jesus came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Credible verses of God's love and God's grace for us. That word helpless in that first verse that we read, it's, it's not a past tense, but it's present. It's a condition of all of us, the human heart, We can't make ourselves good in our own strength. But Jesus makes us good. Jesus allows us to have that incredible relationship with God through what he has done for us. And then there's this great thought that says that Christ came at just the right time. Jesus came at just the right time. I used to think that was uh, a certain time in history, a specific date or a, a certain time on the clock. And partly that's true, but there's more to it than that. There's more to it. This is more about the condition of our heart, of my heart. He didn't wait for us to get our act together before he came. He says he came while we were still sinners. (laughs) That's amazing. When when it when it says Jesus came at just the right time, the right time was not when we'd got it all together. Because we hadn't, we can't get it all together. It's before we knew we even needed him. That's when Jesus came. And God's primary concern has always been to reach out for those that are far from him. It's who Jesus was always reaching out to, the lost and the broken. And he still does that today. He's reaching out to us. He's reaching out to you and to me today. See, he didn't die because of us. He died for us. He died for us. This reveals the magnitude of God's love in an incredible way. Next couple of verses in Romans 5, verse 7 and 8. It says, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be perhaps willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Would we die for an upright person? People that we respect, probably not gonna give our lives for them. What about the good? Those good people that we talked about. Perhaps if we love someone so much, we might give our lives for them maybe a soldier for their country or a parent for their child. And yet Jesus died for all, for everyone, for those who wanted to know him and for those who don't want to have anything to do with him. He still loves them. God took the first step. He took the first step and he still takes the first step towards you today. We get the choice how we respond to that, the amazing love he has for us, but the sacrifice has already been made. The price has already been paid. We can ignore it or we can accept it. We can reject it, but it's already been paid. It's already happened. Jesus came and he died for us. The ultimate sacrifice once and for all. In the past, the price was paid, but God's love isn't in the past. God's love is in the present tense. It's right here, right now. It's for you and it never, never fails. God's love is in the present And this is where Nicodemus and many of us can miss it. God's love doesn't, God doesn't love you because of what you do. He loves you because you're you. He loves you just as you are, unconditional. And that's what it's all about. That's why we say often in church, come as you are, because Jesus accepts you as you are. And he wants to do something amazing in your your life by the power of his love. He lo- his love doesn't depend on us being a success or a failure, whether we're good or, or bad, whether we're deserving or undeserving. His, he loves you unconditionally. He can't help himself. He is, he is love. He loves you so much that he, he gave his son for you. See, none of us would give our kids in that way, give up our kids in that way. But God looked at you and said, you're worth it, you're worth it. I'll give my son for you. That sounds crazy. And to Nicodemus, that, that was unthinkable because in, in the Jewish culture, your son was your life. You know, if you didn't have a son, someone to carry on your line, the Jews believed that, believe that you were as, as good as dead. You know, if your only son was gone, then you were, you were like a dead man walking. So for Nicodemus, for God to give his one and only son that was total sacrifice. that was incredible. He was sending a message that no one loves like God loves. No one loves like God loves his. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us in spite of rejection and unbelief. there 's nothing we have ever done or could ever do that would stop him loving us. His love transcends it, it covers our sin, and he just keeps on loving us. He keeps on loving us. I love this. A quote from a guy called Max Lucado who said, said this about God's love. He said, if, if God had, had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a, a, wall, a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a, a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. God can live anywhere in the universe and he chose your heart. Let's face it, he's crazy about you. That's how he loves us. He loves the world. He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. And this, here's the next part, number three. God's love made a way. God's love made a way. And this is the hardest part for us, I think, to grasp that he, his love, made a way. His love isn't automatic because there's a choice involved. We can receive that or reject it. The truth is, sinners caused the world to be broken. That we're all broken. And sin, if you like, is, is our inability to love perfectly like Jesus loves. And every time we get love wrong, if we're impatient or, or selfish or unforgiving or we distort the truth or we gossip or, or whatever it is, just like our frailty, our humanity, we, we, we die a little on the inside because that's how we're going and sin is taking us, if you like, towards that. But it also causes the world around us to die a little bit more as well because of the brokenness that's in the world. But you know, the truth is Jesus didn't come to give us death. He came to give us life. He came to give us life. He came to give us life to the full. And that's why we can't read John three sixteen on its own because verse 17 tells us, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He came to do what we could never do. And while we were still sinners, that's all of us. Jesus died for us, gave his life for us. That's what the cross is all about. That's what the resurrection is all about. It's a message of love, that God is love that he loved us so much that he sent his son to pay that price so that we could know him. He also loves us so much though, and this is, this is the hard part. He lets us choose to receive it, to believe it. He doesn't force that upon us. How many times I wish that wasn't true, yet he gives us, he gives us that choice. And that's why in John 3, 16, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what does it say, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life see some have said that the gospel the good news is exclusive it is it's but it's inclusive because God loves the world it's inclusive because he loves us unconditionally but it's exclusive because this choice is still ours we have to make that choice he doesn't force that upon us he gives it to us freely and it's ultimately our choice will we accept it or not See, there's a point in all of our lives, I believe, when we decide to submit to him, to surrender our lives to Jesus, to make him Lord and Saviour. I did that at the age of 16, and I know many of you here in the room have got your own stories. But I do believe there's an opportunity today, this morning, for us to receive that love, to receive Jesus into our lives and let him change our lives, let him turn our lives around. As the band comes back, I've got a couple more verses to read to you. There's an opportunity for us to choose to believe, to put our trust, to surrender our lives to Jesus, to put our faith in him. See, we'll never truly experience that life-changing uh, experience of God's love until we trust in him, until we surrender our lives to him. There's another verse in Hebrews ten, twenty-two that says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, to come into his presence, fully trusting him, For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Don't just know about God's love today. Receive it and experience it into your life. Billy Graham, you may have heard of a guy called Billy Graham, but he said this, just as the total beauty of the ocean cannot be understood until it is seen, God's love cannot be understood until you experience it, until you actually possess it. No one can fully describe the wonders of God's love. There are not enough words for me to stand here and tell you how God's love is. But Jesus shows us exactly what his love is like. He came to earth, he came amongst us to show us what the Father was like, to show us what his love for us was all about. But we still have to make that choice of receiving his love, of receiving Jesus into our hearts and our lives. Maybe you're here today thinking that God could never love me, never forgive me. Think again. He does love you. He does forgive you. Jesus came to show us how much God loved us. His death and his resurrection made the way for us to know God, to break that barrier, the sin that was between us and the Father. He broke that. And he did that because he thought that we were worth it, that you were worth it. The message that Jesus is sharing to us from the Father is this, that God loves the world. That includes you, that He loves you unconditionally. And Jesus made the way. He is the way to the Father. Receive His love. Receive Jesus into your hearts and into your lives today. Amen. Why don't we stand together? We're going to pray and then we'll worship for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your Word today Lord thank you for Jesus Father we thank you so much you sent your son to the world Lord that you loved us so much you sent your son to give his life for us Lord that we might know you that we might know that love that experience that power transforming our lives Lord my prayer today is Lord that we will receive that today maybe afresh maybe for the first time but we'll receive that love receive Jesus into our hearts and lives thank you God for all that you're doing all that you're about to do right now in Jesus name amen come on let's worship
0: we hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church if you'd like any more information about Icon Church log on to our website at www.icon.church have the best week